Hallelujah. Well, we, we started last Sunday talking about awakening the warrior within. And as we begin today, I want us to pray one more time. And I'm going to ask you to do something today because I really believe God's going to speak to you today. There's something he has to say to you today. I believe you believe that because you're here this morning. Uh, and so you weren't here just to worship the Lord. You're here to hear from him. And you know what? Every once in a while, he speaks through uh, old clay flesh like Pastor Sam. And so I want you to, but you know what? If God's talking and our ears aren't open, we can't hear what he has to say. So let's, let's lay our hands on our heart and let's ask God to open our ears and our hearts to hear what he has to say to us today. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. May it bring forth much fruit in our life. We open our hearts and our spiritual ears to hear what you're saying to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Well, glory to God. Uh, Wednesday night, let me just throw this out. Wednesday night, we, we, we piggybacked off Awakening the Warrior Within, and we started a little side series called uh, uh, Warrior One-Liners from the Old Testaments and the Life Lessons Within Them. And the one-liner we learned from, and it's a play on words, W-O-N, because we won and they won, was from the David and Goliath story where he said, I come to you, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And so on Wednesday nights, we're looking at, at famous one-liners. In fact, next Wednesday, my one-liners from Second Chronicles 20, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Anyone know who said that? Who was, he was talking to God. It was a prayer. He said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Anybody know his name? That means every one of you need to be here Wednesday night. Okay? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm coming. How about you? Be here Wednesday night. And we're going to learn from that. I'll give you a hint. It's just Jehoshaphat. And they were surrounded by the enemy. And he began to pray and he sought the Lord and he called a, the, the, we can call it the church to pray. And God began to speak and, and gave direction. And Jehoshaphat came to the Lord. He said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. You know, that's pretty honest. How many of you ever been that way? Okay, and so Wednesday night, I want to encourage you, plug in on Wednesday night. If you're not working, you ought to be here. Bless the Lord. If you're not sleeping because you spent all night, well, I don't know. Hey, be here on Wednesday night. Let's stir up and let's awaken the warrior within us. And everybody said one more amen. Well, hey, I've given you some verses. Our keynote verse for awakening the warrior within is found in Isaiah 42, verse 13. And it's concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, the Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. That phrase stir up means to wake up. And that's where we get awakening the warrior within. He will stir up his zeal like a man of war. Let me just stop right there. Jesus wants to get stirred up on the inside of you. Let me try that again. Jesus wants to get stirred up on the inside of you. Tell somebody that. Tell them Jesus wants to get stirred up on the inside of you. He wants to get frothed up and all prepared and ready for war. That's what we're talking about. It says he'll go forth like a man of war. Uh, he'll stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out. Yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. Amen. And he wants to find victory not only 
in his behalf, but in your behalf, and not only for you, but through you. God the warrior, Jesus Christ, the captain of the Lord's army, if you will, wants to get stirred up on the inside of you and awakened for the purpose of spiritual warfare. Then last week we looked at Joel chapter 3, a prophetic insight of the end. Everybody knows Joel 2 where it says, In the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. And he'll pour out his spirit. And we all like that. But Joel 3 says, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Everyone say, Prepare for war. And then he says, Wake up the mighty men. Everybody say, Wake up. Say it loud. Say, Wake up. My daddy, when he, he used to work nights, and on Saturdays after football games, late nights, he would come home sometimes on Saturday morning, and he, anybody ever remember those big stereo consoles? We had, it was about 10 foot long. We had one of those, and it was a, it's now it's called a record player. That's, that's just, and we didn't have many records, but he had Boots Randolph and Chet Atkins, but Boots Randolph played uh, Orange Blossom Special on the saxophone. And he would come in on Saturday morning about 7.30. We're all sound asleep. He would turn on Boots Randolph and, and uh, Orange Blossom Special. Google it. It's got to be there somewhere. Get on YouTube and you'll find out. And turn it way up to 10. And come through and, and holler and wake up, wake up. I just go, gosh, Dad, what is you know, that was his way of loving on us. Uh, and so, hey, but I'm here today. I, in fact, we ought to get Boots Randolph in here one play Orange Blossom Spec. Beverly, find that for me. I just need to let y'all know how exciting that really is. So we'll do that maybe next Sunday. And so you can understand how I would wake up some on Saturday mornings. Uh, but hey, we cannot slumber and sleep in the hour we are in. And so this is a prophetic thing of concerning the end times. He said, wake up the mighty man. Let all the men of war drink. Draw near, let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Everyone say, I am strong. Oh, my friend, understand something today. We are living in the last days and God is looking for an army who will stir themselves up in the spirit of God and, and do great battle for the kingdom's sake. Now, let me continue to share with you some, some big thoughts that I've had for the last few Sundays. Last Sunday, I gave you in reference to this passage that we, we looked at this passage in depth last week. And if you missed, I would encourage you to get on iTunes or our website. Go back and listen because we took Joel 3 apart and we learned some things that all of us need to do in order to be men and women of valor and stir up and awaken the warrior on the inside of us. And this is an overarching thought that I gave you last week in reference to this passage of scripture our last day's message was this and it's the responsibility of the church is to partner with God's last day's uh, prophetic purposes and go to war against the spiritual forces of wickedness for the sake of the family of faith and her future harvest. Listen, even today, we went to war for the family of faith in Iraq. We went to war for the family of faith in Israel. We've got to awaken the warrior on the inside of us and realize that in these last days, God's not as concerned about our bank account as he is about our impact in the world concerning the gospel of Christ. Amen. And so we, we, we're living in the last days and our focus needs to be on winning the war that he has for us to fight. I gave you a warning and it is this. If we refuse to involve ourselves in the exercise of spiritual warfare, 
Our defeat is certain. Our future is forfeited. And the harvest of God is sorely limited. I want to say it again. If we refuse to involve ourselves in the exercise of spiritual warfare, our defeat is certain. Our future is forfeited. And the harvest of God is sorely limited. Listen, I could go off on this a little bit, but I'm just saying to you today, there is no choice. We've got to fight or we lose. If we don't fight, if we don't stand up, if we don't, if we don't engage ourselves in the spiritual warfare, I promise you the devil will remain engaged over your family. In fact, if you just are kind of docile, and one of the things I've learned about church folk, they get real docile when it comes to spiritual warfare. They don't want to rock the boat. And I'm telling you today that the devil's going to rock your boat. He's going to rock your world in a bad way. And we've got to take our stand and say like Popeye did, I've had all I can stand. And I can't stand no more. Right? Everybody say right. And so our posture. I, I got this one morning as I, as I awaked, as I woke up uh, on a Sunday morning uh, beginning this series. And this is what I heard in my spirit. A defensive posture alone will not win the war for the souls of men. We must storm the gates of hell with a bold offensive against the spiritual forces of wickedness. This morning, I began to stir that up on the inside of me, and I began to pray for you. In fact, Beverly, uh, I, I, I meant to email you this. I need a updated membership list so I can storm the gates in behalf of all of you in a more effective way. I'm kind of out of sync. I need an updated. And this morning, I wanted, and I called as many of your name as I could, and we're warring in your behalf. And if I couldn't remember you, see, I'm getting old. If I couldn't remember you, I said, God, you know who they are. And I'm just binding the devil off their life. I'm binding the devil off their business. I'm releasing them into the will of God. Hey, we got to get offensive in this spiritual thing. Most people just got a little defense going on. They don't want to rock the boat. Don't bug me. I won't bug you. Listen, that doesn't work. We've got we've to awaken the warrior on the inside of us. Or we lose. How many of you want to be winners? All right, so with that in mind, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. And let me tell you about 2 Timothy today. And just, I'll tell you in a moment. You know, Paul was writing a letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. But let me just tell you about Paul a little bit before we jump into this 2 Timothy. Paul, other than Jesus, was the most in tune New Testament author or, or church leader, apostle, uh, there was in reference to spiritual warfare. You know, he, he was, he was engaged, if you will, in the spiritual warfare. In fact, let me just quickly run through some thoughts with you today. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26, he talked about fighting. He said, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. He wasn't talking about physical warfare. He's talking about spiritual warfare. He said, I'm not just boxing at the air. I, there's an enemy going on, even though it's a spiritual enemy. I'm not just swinging into the darkness. I'm being strategic with my spiritual warfare. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, in reference to forgiveness in the church and make, making sure we were right with God and man, he said, we should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. In other words, you've got you to understand your enemy. One of the big problems in America today or in the world today in reference to some of the, the demonic aggression against the Jews and the demonic aggression against Christianity in Iraq is that... we. 
they don't understand the enemy. They think you can make peace with these people. You cannot make peace with them. They are out to kill you. They don't want, they are under, listen, I'm just telling you, under the inspiration of the devil. And it's a spiritual warfare. Could I get somebody to say amen? And so he said, we're not, we shouldn't be ignorant or uninformed concerning our enemies. You know, you've got to know your enemy. If you're going to be victorious, you've got to know your enemy. And then he said in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, he said, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. How many of you know that's spiritual warfare? And then he says, as we know, we've looked at Ephesians all summer long. In Ephesians chapter 6, what did he say in verse 10? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand and resist and be victorious over the powers of darkness. Paul the apostle understood spiritual warfare. He understood it wasn't a physical battle. Listen, a lot of people trying to fight, uh, you know, from a physical standpoint and be victorious over peoples and stuff. Listen, it's spiritually oriented. And, and you know what we could best do for our soldiers and for people around the world? We could do battle in the Spirit in their behalf. Amen. And, and even do battle in the Spirit for our family. I thank God that I've had people win the war in my behalf in the Spirit over my life. My mom was a praying mom and she, she did battle against the devil in my behalf. And you know what? All my brothers now are serving the Lord. I think that's pretty awesome. My oldest brother was a hard nut to crack, but I think he's way ahead of me already in some areas. He told me the other day, he said, I'm starting over in my, I'm, I'm starting over reading the Bible through again. I went, say what? My oldest brother's already read through the Bible. I'm just going, wow, that's amazing. Uh, and so, hey, my mom uh, won the war in our behalf uh, through the Spirit. Now, Paul to Timothy. Now, this is Paul's last letter. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and Paul knew that his time was drawing near. When you look in 2 Timothy in the, in the last chapter, he says, my departure is at hand. He knew by the Spirit of God, maybe just by the old, old pains and aches of his body, but I think by the Spirit of God, uh, he knew his days were numbered, and he, he wrote his last letter to Timothy, his little son in the faith. Now, I'm thinking to myself, if I knew my days were numbered and I knew that I had something to say and I, I had maybe one more letter in me, who would I write to? I might write to somebody that would seem to be more important or maybe in an entire church or maybe, you know, the body of Christ at large. But Paul chooses his young son in the faith, Timothy, to write his last letter to. And he pours into him... Some interesting insight. In fact, I want you to look. Oh, I wish I had time. We, um, gosh, there's just so much here. I want you to look in the second chapter. And it says this, verse 1. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then he says this, You therefore must endure hardship as a what? A good soldier of Jesus Christ. And no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Here's what I think about this letter. I really believe that Paul is endeavoring to awaken the warrior on the inside of Timothy. 
Timothy we ascertain from him, from, his, from the two letters that Paul wrote to him, that he had some timidity. Uh, I don't know if that's he was, his name kind of uh, lined up with his nature or vice versa. But, you know, Paul talked about, to him about not fearing. God's not given us a spirit of fear. Don't be ashamed. So we kind of ascertain that Timothy had some issues. He was insecure. I really believe that this last letter that Paul wrote He was endeavoring to awaken the warrior on the inside of Timothy. And I believe that's the case for us today. That God wants to awaken the warrior on the inside of us. And I want to show you some things from this letter. And we could spend days here. In fact, the message I'm sharing with you today, I almost turned it into two messages. But I thought, surely I can can resist uh, the over... Uh, expansion of something uh, and so I did that let me just throw some thoughts out to you from this second Timothy 2 1 through 4 and here's the first one I see we we have been enlisted in the army of God we have been whether we realize it or not we have you might call it drafted but hey you've been enlisted he said no one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life that he may Please him who enlisted him as a soldier. See, your father God, it pleased him to enlist you. And we're endeavoring to please him who has enlisted us. Everyone say, we've been enlisted. In fact, verse 9 of chapter 1, it says, he's telling Timothy, he saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. What's he saying to Timothy? You've been enlisted. And so, whether you realize it or not, warfare in your, uh, in your life is not optional because you have been enlisted. I'll never forget years ago, uh, uh, gosh, when we were in Quitman, we had one of our young men and his wife, he enlisted thinking that he was going to get a free education and get to hang out and, and learn to shoot cannons and things and enjoy life for four years. And about three months after he, he enlisted, war broke out in Iraq or somewhere in the way. And man, he thought, I, I didn't know I was really going to have to fight. Listen, if you've been enlisted, the potential of warfare is always around us. And from a spiritual standpoint, we've been enlisted. Number two, you learn from this, we must be engaged. We've got to be engaged in the warfare. Listen, if you've been enlisted, you've got to be engaged. He said, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. And But look what he said even above that. He said, you must endure. You see, if you've been enlisted and you are engaged, we must endure. Everybody say, we must endure. We've got to endure this thing called spiritual warfare. You read through this book and you'll find that Paul said, I endured. And we must endure the, the warfare. There's nothing easy about spiritual warfare. There's nothing necessarily fun about spiritual warfare other than the ultimate victory, amen? To be able to rejoice over our enemies. And guess what? Number four, we learn we cannot be entangled with the affairs of this life. How many of you know we have a life to live? But we can't let that life entangle us and keep us from the spiritual warfare that he has for us. Everyone read this with me. Everyone say, we have been enlisted. Everyone say, we must be engaged. Everyone say, we have to endure. Everyone say, we can't be entangled. You can't let the things of this world get you all tangled up 
where you can't fight the fight that he has for you. This is warrior wisdom that Paul was giving to his son in the faith, Timothy, because he was endeavoring to awaken the warrior on the inside of him. Amen. Let me give you some thoughts. Some more warrior wisdom that I see that Paul was passing on to his son in the faith, Timothy, as his endeavor to get him engaged in the warfare. Number one, the importance of the warrior's faith. When you look at chapter one, I love this because he begins this letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. He says in verse five, he said, when I call to your, to remembrance the genuine faith that is within you. That word genuine means the unhypocritical faith, the the real deal. He said that I saw in your grandmother and I saw in your mother and I'm persuaded that it is in you as well. Listen, you know what? That's where it begins. If you're going to be a warrior in the army of God, if you're going to be victorious, if you're going to awaken the warrior within you, you're going to do so by, by stepping up to the plate at the place of faith. I think of the book of Ephesians when he began that letter. He said, when I saw your love for one another and your faith, that's what stirred me to send this letter to you. You see, he saw within Timothy uh, the genuine faith that is necessary to be able to wage war in the spirit against the principalities and the powers and the spiritual forces of wickedness. In fact, John said this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. He said, this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith. And so we've got to embrace a warrior's faith. And that's where God is stirring us to a new place of confidence. And this kind of faith is a fear not kind of faith. Everyone say fear not. I'm telling you, the, it's, it's got to be a fear not kind of faith. You look in Deuteronomy 20, it's kind of the rules of war from the Old Testament perspective. God says fear not. Everybody say fear not. And what does he tell his son in the faith, Timothy, uh, after he said, hey, I see the faith that is in you. He said, so, okay, you need to stir up this thing on the inside of you and, and, and let it begin to burn bright on the inside of you, this faith, this gift of God, which I've given you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Everybody say that. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Come on now, I need everybody. Everybody say, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. It's a fear not kind of faith. It's also an unashamed kind of faith. It says this in verse 8, Therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in this sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. We've got to fear not and we've got to be unashamed. We've got to step up to the plate in spiritual warfare and say, I am not going to fear. I'm not going to be uh, ashamed. And it's also a hold fast kind of faith to stand strong. He says in verse 13 to Timothy, hold fast the pattern of sound words, which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. It's a stand firm, hold fast, fear not, unashamed faith that's going to storm the gates of hell and be victorious for the kingdom's sake. Amen. It's a warrior's faith. And I want you to stir it up. Paul said, stir it up. Somebody say, stir it up. He's, He's talking about faith. And then he says, stir it up. We kind of thought about, what does that mean, stir it up? Or what's the gift of God? It could mean a lot of things. But I'm telling you, the context is faith to be victorious over the powers of darkness. 
We need to let our faith burn bright. That word stir it up means to fan into flame. Get your faith burning bright for God and stand up and, and, and have faith. It's like the David and Goliath kind of thing. I love the David, David and Goliath. You know, he gets the, 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 the Goliath. Goliath taunts him. And David comes back, says, you come to me with a sword and a javelin and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And though I can't quote it all, he said, this day, everybody say this day, this day you're coming down. And then it says, so it was, everybody say, so it was. I love it. David stood up in the face of adversity. He stood up in the face of his giant. He said, I'm not listening to what you say. I'm telling you what I know is true. You're coming down. I'm going to take your head from, from your shoulders. This day it's going to happen. And so it was. Somebody say, so it was. That's the kind of faith we've got. We can't have this mamby-pamby, I hope so, maybe so, rock, paper, scissors kind of faith. We've got to have a faith that stands up and says, we will be more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. It's the warrior's faith. And then we see Paul transferring to Timothy in this letter, the warrior's focus. Listen, there's a focus that all of us, and I think the church by and large is in many ways is out of focus. But he gives a real focus. And the focus of the warrior and this, the reason we battle and the reason we stand is for the proclamation and the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you know it's the gospel that sets people free? I said it's the gospel that sets people free. You don't, you, you want to know one of the most powerful, victorious methodologies for the soldier of Jesus Christ? It's the propagation and the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this, you'll know the truth and the truth will do what? It will set you free. And when you look at this book and you look at this letter that Paul sends to his son in the faith, Timothy, uh, all through it is the, the necessity and, and the reality of the propagation and the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says in first, uh, chap- the first chapter, verse 10 and 11, he said, He has now been revealed by the appearing of, of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought to life and immortality to light through the gospel, which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher to the Gentiles. Look what he says in chapter 2. He says to him in verse 2, the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, he's talking about the gospel, commit these to what? Faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see, as a warrior, it's not just standing up and buking the devil. It's, 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 transferring the power of the gospel to the next generation. Listen, our children need the power of the gospel. The danger is most people do not even know what the gospel is. And the gospel has been watered down. We cannot water down the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he rose again so we could walk in newness of life. That's the gospel. That's the only way people get to heaven. That's the only way people find victory over the devil. It's through the power of the gospel. Listen, good people will go to hell if they don't believe and trust and rely upon the gospel. Hello, it got quiet in here. Our focus must remain the power of the gospel. And listen today, if you've never been born again, you need to embrace the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. 
Going to church won't get you to heaven. Giving to needy people, though good, will not get you to heaven. You can't be good enough to get to God. You come to Him and you're born again through faith in the finished work that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said this in Ephesians, for by grace, his unmerited favor, we are saved through faith, which is a gift of God. Faith in what? Faith in what he did for us on the cross. He paid for our sins through the power of his blood. He took our place on Calvary's cross. And we've got to believe that and trust that he rose again so we too could have newness of life. That's the gospel. And the warrior's focus is the proclamation and the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I said this week, I believe God, or this morning, God's going to give you this week opportunity to share the gospel. Opportunity and open doors. The best way you can war in the Spirit is to release the power of the gospel into the spiritual atmosphere and into people's lives. Paul told Timothy here in this last chapter of this second book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 he said I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom preach the word everyone say preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching then he says down in verse 5 but you be watchful in all things endure afflictions do the work of an evangelist Fulfill your ministry. And I want to encourage us all to realize that a real warrior has faith, but he also has a fine-tuned focus. It's about more people for heaven and less for hell. It's about people being born again into the kingdom of God and delivered from the grip of the devil and from the destiny of hell. More for heaven, less for hell. Somebody say amen. That should be our focus. We've got to stand up in faith against the powers of darkness. With a, with a laser-like focus of the power of the gospel being released and revealed in the atmosphere. In fact, Paul said this in verse 17 of chapter 4. He said, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me. That all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. He said, listen, I finished my race. I touched the the, the known world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what God's calling us to do. Another thought that he endeavored to lay across to, to his son Timothy was the necessity for the warrior to have friends. How many of you know real friends are important? When you read through this, and I'll just kind of hit the highlights, Paul knows his days are numbered. And a lot of people, when you read through this book, I'd encourage this letter, I'd encourage you to read through it. Some people left him. Some people forsook him. But there were some people like Onesephorus, read the first chapter, who sought him out and, and in a sense poured oil and wine in his wounds and tended to him and cared for him. And then he tells Timothy, he says, hey, my days are numbered. Hurry, come before winter. I want to see my friends. And then he begins to recount, and then he, then he begins to recount People who hurt him and harmed him. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did be much harm. Let me tell you, that a lot of times the, the enemies we have come from within. And he was hurt and wounded, but he had friends. He said, only Luke is with me. Luke was the physician. Listen, let me just say this to you. 
You can't be victorious without good friends who stand with you. What did he tell him to do? You go find some more faithful people. And you teach them and and give them the gospel. And you build a relationship with others. And let's work this thing together. Listen, you can't be independent in your thinking. Some people say, I don't need need you, you don't need me, I can handle it on my own. Listen, we need people guarding us and covering us. I I can't be where I am today without my friends. I can't stand up in faith and and do war in the spirit without the, the confidence of friends and relationships and the connections of the family of faith. Listen, we need one another. Everybody say, we need one another. And then he passed on to him an important insight about the warrior's finish. If you look in 2 Timothy chapter 4, you see the warrior's finish. Now listen, before I read this, let me just say, we have a limited amount of time to make the biggest difference in the world. We don't know how long we have. If you know how long you have, then you can share that with me. Uh, but none of us know, our, our God. only God knows the days that we have. And we need to finish strong. And Paul was able to finish his life strong with no regrets. Let me just say, how many of you have some regrets? I got some. Did you know you can finish with no regrets? Some of you and some get so worked up about their past, they never finish right. Listen, we can't let the past rule our present or our future. And Paul finished well. You and I have the opportunity. Everybody take a deep breath. Did, any, did everybody get a breath? Anybody here didn't breathe? That You can't breathe. Anybody here can't breathe? Just go. Everybody's breathing, Beverly. That, you know what that means? You still have an opportunity to finish well. Your breath is still in you. Somebody say amen. Everybody take another one. Just thank God for it. Woo, thank you, Jesus. You still have an opportunity to finish well. You see, all, everybody says all is well that ends well, and that's kind of right. Uh, but you know what? All is well that begins well. Some of us didn't begin well, but we can finish well. We can, hey, we can fix things. We can turn this thing around. You don't have to let your past rule your future. You don't have, have to let the mistakes of the oopsie daisy. Anybody had any oopsie daisies? Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I, how many of you ever said, I'll never do that, and then you did that? Oopsie daisy. I don't know why I did that. Hey, listen, we got to look beyond the oopsie daisies of life and the mistakes of, the, of our past and even maybe some of that are, that we're involved in now and say, you know what? From this day forward, I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to let my, my, my natural man keep me from finishing. Well, it's time to awaken the warrior on the inside of us and don't get slayed by the, by the circumstances of this day, but stand up and say, I'm going to finish well. And I'm going to be victorious from this day forward. Look what Paul said. Verse 6, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He finished with no regrets. The goal of my life is to do the will of God all the days of my life. And finish well. And I want to ask you today. Are you ready to finish well? Are you ready to do what it takes to finish right? And to finish well? Because listen, all of us. Did you know life on planet earth is terminal? 
Nobody knew that. Did you know life on planet earth is terminal? Should Jesus tarry, you will die one day. And your, your race in this life will be over. And, and as I've said before, don't make me lie while you're lying here. Don't make the preacher have to lie while you're lying here. Let the preacher be able to boldly say, this saint of God finished well. He fought the good fight. He finished the race. He did the will of God. And now there's laid up for him a crown of rejoicing. Now one thing you need to know about your finish is the warrior's future. Paul knew that though life on planet earth was terminal, he had a future in eternity. And listen, planet earth is the shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere. Could I say that again? Planet earth is the shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere. Look what he said. He said, there's laid up for me. Finally, there is laid. And you know what I can just see? Because if you read the life of Paul, he had a tough life. I mean, they beat him. He was left for dead. He, he was battered and scarred physically, spiritually, emotionally. And I can just hear him say, finally, whew, there's laid up for me. A crown of righteousness, which the Lord, our, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me only, but all those who love his appearing. And then he says in verse 18, And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, one day this battle will be over. and We'll step into our eternal destiny into his eternal kingdom and receive the reward of a life well lived on planet earth. So I want to encourage you today to stir up the warrior on the inside of you. You can't quit. Everybody say, I can't quit. We've been enlisted. We've got to be engaged. Amen. We must endure. And we cannot be entangled with the affairs of this life and get distracted from the real reason. That's what Joel said. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Realize that the primary purpose of life is to be a spiritual warrior and do battle for the souls of men. I came to tell you that it's time to wake up and realize that God, there's a warrior on the inside of you. His name is Jesus. And just like we read in Isaiah, he wants to stir himself like, up like a man of war. Cry out and shout and prevail over the enemies. He not only wants to do that for you, he wants to do that through you. Let's stand up together. I want to pray for you today. I'm going to ask you today as we prepare to leave this place, I want to ask you before you go. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Does He live on the inside of you? Are you what we call born again? Saved? And have you become a child of God? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for everyone here who has a question mark about their eternal security. If you have a question mark about where you're going to spend eternity, I want to pray for you today. 
I'm not here to embarrass you or manipulate you, but I am here to introduce you to the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I have a question mark about my eternity. I'm not sure if I'm born again or I know I'm not a Christian. Today I want to give my life to Him and I want Him to be the Lord and the leader of my life and I want to begin to win the fight and the battle for my life and for others around me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you can say, Pastor, that's me. i got a question mark about where I'm going to spend eternity. And today I want to know for sure. I want to embrace the power of the gospel in my life. If that's you today, lift your hand wherever you are and say, that's me. I want to know that I know that I know that I know him. Anyone here that you just have a question mark? I'm not going to manipulate you to the front and make you sign a card, but I am going to introduce you to the Lord of glory and the Savior of the world. If that's you, lift your hand and say, that's me. I see that. I just want to know for sure that Jesus Christ lives on the inside. Anyone else? I want us all to pray right now. Let's pray for those who lifted their hand. And let's all pray together out loud in behalf and with those who lifted their hand right now. Everyone say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. For paying a price for my sins that I could not pay. I thank you for that today. And I believe that you died for me, that you were buried, and you rose again on the third day so I could have newness of life. I embrace that truth in my life. I receive your saving power by the grace of God through faith in you. I put my trust in you today. And from this day forward, I will always serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's what it takes to be born again. If you prayed that prayer today, now you begin to walk it out every day and realize that God is awakening the warrior on the inside of each of you, amen. God bless you today.